Welcome to The Eventful Entrepreneur. I'm Roger Woodall, founder of the Bournemouth Sevens, the world's largest sport and music festival. With all events in 2020 grinding to a halt, I'll be bringing people back together, but in a different way. On this week's episode, I'm talking to an old friend of mine and cracking bloke, Kenny Stevens. Kenny's the owner at Chili Sauce, the world's largest stag and hen company that puts on around 12,000 stag and hen parties every year around the world. We chat about what it's like herding 140,000 wild stag and hens each year, how the industry has changed in the last three decades, and he shares some hilarious stories from some of the past events. I love sitting down and talking about such a fast-moving, exciting niche of the events industry with a man at the forefront of the UK market. Here's the man himself, Mr. Kenny Stevens. Kenny, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me. Yeah, mate, this is fantastic to have you here. As you know, the the podcast is called The Eventful Entrepreneur, and it's really getting people on who are proper entrepreneurs like yourself and people involved in sporting uh, events or festivals, uh, entrepreneurial mindsets and what have you. And it's just really for you to come on the show. It's great because we've known each other for years and Obviously, you're the uh, the top man of Chili Sauce, which is the the largest stag and hen do in the world company that sends people all around the world. So, why did you uh, set up Chili Sauce? It was actually a brainchild of a, a mate of mine I went to university with, and it wasn't really set up as a stag do company at first. Mm. He, he invented at the start of the um, dot com boom. He built built basically a lads website. And it wasn't really about stag news, it was about anything. It was almost like FHM on the web or loaded on the web. And it, yeah. was, it was the time all those sort of magazines were out. Oh, okay. But they didn't have websites back then. So he built this um, website called chilisource.com. And that would have everything on it. It'd have jokes, gadgets, stag do's, experiences, everything. And that was really just a portal. He would send people off to the different companies from that and just get a kickback. And one of the main ones he was getting people interested in was stag and hen do's. And he was sending them all off to this company. Uh, and was getting no kickbacks at all. And he was going, hold on, mm. something dodgy's going on here. <laughs> so he, he 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 faked himself as a customer, went to the, the client, and he realized that it wasn't that they were ripping him off. It's just they didn't have the resources to service all these people he was sending them to. And that's when he came to me and a couple of the other lads that we went to university with and said, okay, should we should we do bring this in-house? Should we do it ourselves? Yeah. So literally a couple of weeks later, we sat there in somebody else's office in one little room of, in the attic yeah. with four of us with a, a PC each. And people would be sending web website inquiries in saying, I want to go on a stag do to Nottingham or something like that. We go, oh, okay, yeah, of course. Yeah. No problem at all. We can arrange that for you. What are you looking to do? Okay. Yeah. Accommodation, nightclub, restaurant, paintball and go-kart. And yeah, no problem at all. Give me an hour to just um, put something together in a, in a Word document <laughs> for you and we'll fire it over. And then, of course, you're like, oh, okay, I don't know anything about Nottingham. I've never been there. Don't know. And then you'd have, so you'd have to do all the research and the suppliers and you would, you would find them all and build a quote for them. Yeah. But of course... Once you've done it once, then you can use that same quote again and again. You yeah. slowly build up all your different suppliers and all the different products. And it, it really grew very much organically over time. Like that literally, the first the first six months, every basically proposal was done, bespoke with new suppliers. We'd have to find them. And then, of course, you start reusing the same ones yeah. again and again and again. And what year are we talking here? So that was 2001. 
so, so the idea came about in 2001 and then you're like yeah so to, to, um 2000 it probably came around and, and the original website the, the like lads website would have been about 2000 yeah probably started building it in about 1999 or something like that so just as the dot-com boom really with yeah websites are the new thing yeah exactly i mean he was a, um, a geologist you know he had okay. no background and he, he literally taught himself how to program in his in his bedroom and built the new website from there and that was and that was that really that's wow. how it was that's how it was born so delve, delve a little bit more into the actual chili sauce itself what does it actually do as a business so we started off and it was just purely stag and hen parties with a range so you know you're a best man or a maid of honor um rather than having to arrange all this stuff yourself you come to us and say this is what i want and we will build it so originally it was bespoke so I'd have someone on the phone and say, right, describe for me exactly what you want for the perfect weekend. Mm. And then I would go away and put it together. Now it's very similar, but we have tens of thousands of products yeah. and an enormous database. So you're picking and choosing from that that range, essentially. That's how it started. Um, and for the first year, that was pretty much all we all we did. Um, we always consider ourselves more, more than anything else an activity site. Our expertise is in every place you can go, whitewater rafting, quad biking, jumping off buildings, bridge swinging, anything like that. That's what we felt was our speciality. Yep. The, the hotels and the nightclubs and the restaurants were just uh, were add-ons mm. almost. Like they were, they were, they were extra bits you could mm. sell on top of the activities. And mm. um, because we did those activities, we'd start to get companies coming to us and saying, okay, well, we want to do paintballing, but we want to do it for a, for a corporate group. Mm. Um, and obviously we realized pretty quick that they different clients they need invoicing they want to pay you after the event they yeah. have 50 people that are they're a bit more concerned about health and safety yeah, yeah. Uh, and that sort of stuff um so we we branched out and set a set separate sort of division up and hired people specially to service those so now we would do still at the core businesses stag and hen parties mm. that's probably about 75 percent of our turnover right. but on top of that we'll do about 700 corporate events each year ranging from 15 people wanting a cookery workshop to a thousand people wanting a, a christmas party wow so it's two very distinct divisions now okay you know that we use the, the same finance team same marketing team but every everybody else who actually arranges the events and all the products done essentially completely separately now and the products much more specialized mm. so you know the corporates they want their they, they want a proper team building aspect to it. It's to bring people together. It's not just a jolly. Sometimes it's it's a reward for staff, yeah. but they want something that's more, they're going to get some return on investment mm. out of it, essentially. Mm. So how many events have you put on, do you think? Do you class an event as, how does it work? 20 lads going on a stag do or yeah. 10 girls going on a hen do? Is that an event for you? Yeah, that we would, yeah, we would consider them all individual. We would consider them all individual events, absolutely. And so we would do, for stag and hen parties, we'd probably do about 12,000 a year of those. 12,000. Yes. Yeah, so wow. 12,000 people or 12,000 events? 12,000 events. You're probably looking at about 140,000 people we'd send out each year. My God. Um, yeah, basically wow. to. to Got rat legged all over. Wow, wow, wow! All over the country. Wow. Give me uh, an example. Give me uh, example. Give me an example of a stag do and a hen do. A stag. An do. exciting one. An, ex an exciting one. Okay, so fa fairly fairly typical, but fun yeah. would be going somewhere like Eastern Europe. So you go into Budapest. Oy so <laughs> so we won't arrange <laughs> we won't arrange the flights. So that you're on your own for that. Yeah. But you land in Budapest and you'll have um, a minibus there to pick you up with a, a local guide who would normally be uh, students recruited from that 
local town so okay. they know their way around they know the light no nightlife they're up for a good laugh yeah. um usually a pretty girl frankly yeah <laughs> um and she would pick up your group of lads she would meet you at the airport take you out to the minibus yeah drive you to your accommodation which we will have arranged uh, apartments or, or or hotels whichever whichever you fancied um on the minibus she'll brief the group on what's going to happen mm. normally what we would arrange for the first night is a, a bar crawl so particularly in eastern europe frankly there's some undesirable places to go <laughs> and some very very desirable places to go and obviously the, the our local people on the ground are, are mm. the experts in the best places for you to go to mm. so we'd always arrange a bar crawl for the first night so first of all it's a cracking laugh you find all the best places you can go to but at the same time she can be pointing out okay don't use these taxi drivers yeah. um don't go to this bar don't go to this bar yeah. so so it's partly what to what where the best places to go are but also where not to go yeah um then the next day you typically have a load of activities arranged so budapest to be famous for, for shooting eastern europe you can go out there and shoot with ak-47s and right. magnums and all that right. sort of stuff so you'll have uh, uh, that's probably the biggest seller in eastern europe that sort of stuff because of course it's something that you can't do here yeah um so we'll arrange that usually not too early because obviously everybody will get excited on the first yeah. night yeah 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 um, and again, so the minibus will pick them up and the same guy will be with them to take them up there and show them the site, get them all signed in, do the safety briefings, all that sort of stuff. Mm. All those suppliers we will have vetted in advance. We'll typically send a load of our, our product guys will go out and investigate all this stuff originally. And then we'll send groups of salespeople. The best way for our account managers to know how to sell something is to send them on it. Yeah. So we'll do 12, 15 fam trips a year. We would send 10 or 12 groups of 10 in, in 10 groups in 10 or 12 of our staff out to essentially do a fake stag do. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they learn it, but also they get to test everything And they get well. paid for that. And they, yeah, they wow. get paid for that wow. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and they tend to be a little bit dusty on a Monday yeah, morning. Yeah, we used to do that ourselves, but I'm, I'm too long in the tooth. Now, was, to be was, that was the next question. <laughs> no, no, not for a long time now. Most of the staff we hire tend to be 20, 22, 24. There is no way I could keep up with yeah. them nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do like to hear all the stories the next Monday. Yeah. But now I swear for the fam trips. Now yeah. I, yeah, my liver and kidneys couldn't, couldn't cope yeah, with it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then for, for the next evening, um, we'll arrange anything that a customer wants us to arrange. So from lap dancing bars, restaurants, uh, nightclubs, bars, anything you want, yeah. we can arrange it or the customer can say, okay, we're just going to go and explore on our own mm. and leave them to their own devices. So we, you know, at the end of the day, we're, we're salespeople. We'd like to arrange every single every, hour yeah, of the yeah. whole weekend and, and and book it all up. Yeah. But, you know, different people are different folks with different mm. strokes. Mm. Um, and then on the Sunday, we'll do the the, the airport drop-off as well. So everybody's a bit dusty yeah, on the yeah, Sunday yeah, morning. Yeah. Minibus comes and takes them to the airport. Yeah. And that's, that's our bit done, really. Wow. So that would be a typical... Uh, a typical stag do. A typical yeah. stag. Give me, give me a typical Hindu. So, uh, an exciting one. Oh, an exciting. Give one. me an exciting one. Uh, well, so th there's not a massive difference between the products that we offer to hens and stags. Really, mm. there's a di there's a big difference between where they want to go. Mm. So, in in our experience, lads generally want to be going to Eastern Europe. The beer is really cheap. Is there a reason for that? The clubbing's really good. The girls are really pretty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Girls will tend more to places like uh, Marbella or okay. Port Portobanus, yeah. or in, uh, in in the UK, mostly Brighton and places like that. Okay, um, and they tend to leave. They tend to take. They they tend to get us to arrange less. 
for a lot, if you're the if you're a guru, if you're the best man, really, you just want the admin done. Yeah. I, I don't mind throwing money at the project. You take care of yeah. all of this and make sure it yeah. all runs smoothly. With hens, it tends to be different. They tend to use us almost like a research tool. Mm. And we might book the accommodation um, and we can book some activities. But a lot of the detail around it, they want to do it themselves and they want to add little frills and bells and whistles and stuff yeah. like that. And usually there's a committee. For a stag group, you will speak to the best man. You won't speak to anybody else because yeah. all his mates have gone, no, you're in charge of that. Yeah, crack Not on. to do it, yeah. mate. Just tell me where I need to <laughs> yeah. pay. And that's it. Whereas with a hen party, you'll speak to the maid of honor and then one of the other... Uh, you know, the other best friends yeah. and then the sister and then the bride right, okay. and so there'll be a little committee who okay. decide what's to be done and, uh, and and there's a lot more detail should yeah, we say yeah, there's yeah. a lot more t- <laughs> there's a lot more to and fro yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would say you know the, the typical stag group we would exchange four or five emails to arrange the event the typical hen party would be nearer 20 to 25 is that emails. right yeah, it's, it's like it, there's a real it's a slight generalisation but it's it's oh, wow. really apparent, yeah, and anybody yeah, yeah. who starts working for us will realise that. Okay, really, really quite quickly. It's a very different customer. Who are the quickest payers, stags or hens? Um, who are the quickest? Well, the reason why I ask that is for us at Bournemouth Seven, mm. the quickest payers are the ladies. They're in. They're locked down. Oh, got, they're organised. They've got it all. Yeah, the longest the lead ball. time. Yeah, 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 ab- yeah. Absolutely. I mean, we will now. So where are we now? We're in. August 2020, we will have hen bookings now for 20, summer 2022. Like right, it's, okay. it's almost like, yeah, okay, she accepts the ring. Yeah. <laughs> They're on the phone the next day. Yeah. Where, where are we going to go? But yeah. The wedding might be two years away. They, they will be in touch already to to do the research yeah. and lock things in. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas a lot more of the lads you will get, oh, yeah, I meant to have arranged this stag. Do it next weekend. Have you still got anything? <laughs> yeah. Have you still got anything? You do get a lot more of that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and spend per head between the stags and the hen? Are the lads more like, Yep, uh, three hundred quid yeah. all in. Away we go. Or lads, lads will spend more, mm. um, and also uh, stag groups will be slightly bigger. Okay. So of course, for the uh, for the event as a whole, yeah. the revenue will be higher because you're you're probably looking at slightly slightly larger larger groups for the lads. So what sort of numbers you an average an average stag do? Uh, in the or numbers of people, numbers of people, an average stag. Yeah. So the numbers of people, I mean, you will get big ones, 35, 40 people, particularly yeah. popular lads. The average would be 12. Okay. 12, 12 to 14, something yeah. like that. Yeah. And, and, the, and the hens? Uh, probably about two or three lower. So probably about, they will range more from sort of eight to 12. Yeah. I've never really been able to work out why that is, but yeah. it's, it's notable, like okay. really notable. Okay. How have you seen, how have you seen your business grow back from 2000 when the idea was four lads, probably all in the, all in your living room with your laptops open and creating a brand? Did you create a brand straight away or did you, did you understand what a brand was back then? Or was it all about just getting a website up and running? Um, there was a feel to it. If that's what a brand is. Mm. Yeah. It was cheeky and irreverent. It was, you know, it was of its time. It was loaded-ish, yeah. if you know what I mean. If, FHM, if, yeah, loaded. Or, yeah, okay. or it was that sort of yeah. that sort nuts, of, nuts magazine. Yeah, wasn't it? yeah. <laughs> it wasn't quite as quite nuts. No, it was no. more. It was, <laughs> more, it's more, it's more <laughs> of a. We'd like to think of yeah. we'd like to think so, think of ourselves as GQ, but <laughs> re, re, realistically, we were FHM <laughs> on a good day. Uh, and so it, there was no marketing experience between us. You mm. know. Um, we had sales experience and we had uh, logistics experience and a little bit of travel experience, but no marketing experience. Mm. And particularly uh, James, who set the company up, sort of taught himself marketing, really. But yeah. it was very much digital marketing. It was more around SEO and um, uh, link building and that sort yeah. of stuff. Was that it, around back then, was it? Yeah. Well, yeah. So as soon as websites were... So when the dot-com 
arrived dot com boom it yeah, SEO it, it, because it obviously would, there was no social media, nothing. How did you, how and did you course, get the word out there? And, and of course, there was no pay-per-click in those days. Ah. You know, Google was pure. It yeah. wasn't like the first five results you would I get would be, would be advertisements. It really was. Yeah. You know, it was purely based on the algorithm. Yeah. And if, um, you know, if, if somebody typed in stag do leads and you were top, that was a that was a big advantage, yeah. a really big advantage. Yeah. So, so, uh, so did you think about a brand back then? Because obviously you've got, you've kept this, I call it a brand. It's a wonderful brand. You've had this now for 20 years. How has it developed from 2000? Tell, tell us a bit more about the journey that's happened. There must have been some highs and lows. And what sort of pressures have you found? So at the start, I personally don't think we suffered from any pressure at all. Right. At the end, isn't it? Yeah. It was a lifestyle business. You know, there was four of us. We were mates. We could go into an office in T-shirts, shorts and flip-flops yeah. and talk about stuff that we'd love to do ourselves. Yeah. There was there was no such thing as pressure. I mean, maybe I'm I'm looking at it through rose tinted glasses. Yeah. I don't know, but it, when I look back on it now, I just remember it being a laugh yeah. and literally sort of you know, there was no Sunday evening feel. And Sunday yeah. evening, you were excited about to go into yeah. work the next day to talk to all the people who'd been away, who'd just been away for the weekend. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, the more responsibility they take on, you start taking on staff and you have responsibility for them. And suddenly, the numbers of customers are going out quite high, and you sort of lose your own, yeah. you're not touching everything yourself. Yeah. And I think then probably a brand is, and, and certainly a, a company culture is becomes more important because it's not just about you. Mm -hmm. You have to instill that into other people yeah. who are going to talk to customers and represent you. And, you know, and then it's more about recruiting the right people and making sure they, they, they pick up the same values yeah. that you want them to pick up. That's so, harder. There's a lot of pressure in that. There's a lot of pressure in that recruitment. Mm -hmm. What do you look for in someone who's going to come and work for your events company? So, they need so in different departments may be slightly different but i'm like at the coal face the people i recruit are the account managers the ones yeah. who are actually going to be speaking to the customers yeah. you've got to have somebody who's they don't have to be flamboyant that's a mistake a lot of people make when they come for an interview yeah. they have to really care about the people they are speaking to mm. you know anybody i'm sure in the events business knows that you're going to have some unhappy customers mm. and you're going to have some difficult customers now everybody has to deal with that but genuinely you want to be able to you basically want to be thinking of this person saying okay i want this person to have an absolutely cracking weekend stag and hen parties if you think about it if somebody says to you on um in in, in, the, in the if you're like 25 to 35 years old if somebody comes up to you on new year's eve and says what's the five best things you've done this year mm. i guarantee two of those five things are probably going to be a stag and a hen party mm. now that's quite a big responsibility these weekends that people are going to be the best weekends of the year we have to make sure that they are genuinely that good potentially of their life yeah well yeah that's yeah. right yeah yeah when you're lying there at 90 yeah. years old in your Absolutely. in your old folks home yeah. and you're looking back those, we, those days are 20 yeah yeah that's <laughs> yeah so oh, you're, you're, oh you've just met somebody yeah, yeah you're gonna be talking about a stag do's you're on 70 years ago <laughs> yeah, weren't you? Yeah. oh yeah so that's right it does I mean, you know these are meant to be yeah. memorable weekends i mean obviously there's only some of it you remember yeah, but yeah. but really when if you look back at the last 10 years you you'll think about yourself as soon as oh, you mention God, you it remember. you, you, you be thinking stag about eastern europe they're stored for life yeah that's right yeah, these, With are mates. The best, these are the best times yeah, of your life right I agree so the people you hire you want them to to get that and um, and that's one. That's another one of the reasons for sending all the staff on these fam ships. Mm. You know, you want to build up their memories, especially the ones who are sort of like I say. We hire a lot of people either straight from uni or second jobbers, that sort of thing. They're twenty two, twenty three. So a lot of the time they'll be before the age. You know, when you're thirty five, you've probably yeah, been on twenty stag yeah. Yeah, yeah. But when you're twenty two, twenty three, it's new. Yeah. 
So, you know, we'll we'll have some lads that will have hired straight from school or something like that. You send them away to Eastern Europe for their first weekend away, really. And they come back and you see them on a Monday. Yeah. Like they're grinning, <laughs> they're grinning from here to here. It's like, you know, and that's and and by showing them that this is what it's supposed to be like. And we make sure those farm trips are the the yeah. best things they can do yeah. there. That this this is what you're supposed to be doing for the people that you're going to be speaking to on yeah. the phone. And if people aren't excited by that, then they're in the wrong job mm. job anyway. Mm. So have you seen have you seen it grown then? It's four LEDs in a bit in a in in your house on mm. your laptops. Mm. How has it grown? Give me the first five years, ten years, fifteen years, twenty years, and say batches and 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 the pressures that you've personally had on yourselves and your fellow directors. When you grow a business, you've got to employ more people. There's just there's just more of everything, and the culture goes a little bit. There's some hierarchy. There's a bit of gossip. There's, things happen within within the, the office space. Yeah, politics, politics. Oh, yeah, I can't stand politics. Yeah. So so the first the first two years was was very tight. There was like the four of us, and probably two years in, we probably only had four members of staff, something like that. Perfect. A very rigorous recruitment yeah. process where we would interview loads of people, and then the best ones we would take to the pub for the afternoon yeah. and see so how they got good bands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. Because you know you you're going to be in a small yeah. office working with these people, yeah. and that's like I say at the t- at the time it was a lifestyle business. Yeah. That's how we operated, and that that culture stayed with us for quite a long time, really. Certainly, certainly the first four or five years. Slowly, I, I would say the tipping point is probably when you get to about. I don't know, maybe 30 members of staff. Mm. And then I think in particular because up until that point, the directors were directly managing the people in the teams. You mm. sort of you knew well and had recruited personally every person in those teams. Mm. You trained them, you managed them on a day-to-day basis, you were, you know, overseeing their work. I, I suppose the next stage is where you've got a, a line of managers in between you, like team leaders and whatnot, in between you and account managers on the mm. phone to customers that's that's a big change yeah. and you know i'd never managed i'd managed people before i'd never managed managed mm. managers before and the same for the other directors in the company so that that's that threw up some pressures mm. and and you know you you slowly learn you know because of course your first instinct is that the people you promote to those positions are the best salespeople. Yeah. But you know the best account managers, the best salespeople aren't That's necessarily the best different. managers. Absolutely. There's a, the, yeah. you know there's crossover there and yeah. there's knowledge and they need to have intelligence and they need to know the products. But that's not the same. It's it's not the same, and that yeah. that took a lot of time to learn. I think yeah. that when you're recruiting a manager, you're recruiting you're not recruiting an account manager. It's a different manager of fish. people. Yeah, exactly. I agree. I agree. Um, so, and that and so they they're the two phases, and I think they overlap with the fact that, like I say, it was a lifestyle business when we started, and going through that growth process at the same time, meaning the directors we. We had children, settle down a bit. Yeah. We, we're not going out on the fam trips anymore. Yeah. You're delegating. So you're delegating all all yeah. of that sort of stuff. All and the fun it, stuff. All the fun stuff. <laughs> yeah, all the fun stuff. Exactly, yeah. And that's <laughs> when you start t- taking on the stress. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah, when yeah. I look back at it now, I think, where did we go wrong? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like George Best. Yeah. Um, but um, so, so that's, so, and at the same time, you're feeling more responsibilities because you've got more staff. Mm-hmm. And also suddenly, you know, it's, you are thinking a bit more about the pound note yeah. and whether the business is profitable yeah. and how's, how could it be more efficient? How yeah. can you save money and, yeah. and all that sort of stuff? You start to take the business side of it more seriously mm. because that the money aspect is more important to you, right? You've got people to provide for and that's that's a big step change as well. Mm. I think. So it must be a very high turnover business. 
in terms of finances, like the revenues must be super high, but the actual gross and net profits so percentage wise must be fairly low. Yeah, I mean, obviously this is an event uh, event podcast, but um, we're a travel business in a way, really. Mm. And yeah, and travel travel businesses, the the, the margins are, uh, yeah, the 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 profit compared to turnover is is a small percentage. Yeah. And so you're you're obviously always always aware aware of yeah. that, and you know. Uh, and the competitive pressures are quite high as well, mm. and um, there's lots of yeah, lots of fishing. there's always there's always little little bit, bits and pieces that are coming out of the woodwork. Yeah. Say, oh, there's a neck, there's another hundred grand that's going to yeah. go there, and ah, hold on, we've got to suddenly uh, um, pay these credit card fees, which yeah. have gone up by five percent. That's quite a lot when yeah. you've got twenty million pounds turnover, yeah. and yeah. suddenly ah, ah, now you've got your whatever it is, four million pound wage bill. Ah, now you're going to have to pay three percent of that for Jeez. pensions, and you're like. Jeez. Well, so, so yeah, it does. It does become more stressful, yeah. and you and you have to become more professional with it. I, I would definitely said for the first four years, I wouldn't have considered myself a professional. Same, but I probably would. Yeah, <laughs> probably, probably would now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's that's the beauty of it. When you're setting something up, you're pulling something out of the air, got an idea, mm. and you just roll with it. Yeah. And actually, in business and starting up as an entrepreneur for the last twenty years, I love the unknown. Mm. I genuinely love the unknown. It's only when now, like you and I, look back and go, God, probably the best some of our best days were the year one two three and four of not having many staff and doing it all yourself and whatever but and the money comes in and, yeah. and you, you take somebody's credit card detail and put it put it through and you know we have yeah. a sales board and you're like that's that's, that's exciting a, isn't yeah, it yeah that's right yeah it's like wow people are giving me money to yeah. do this yeah, yeah yeah any advice to give on other entrepreneurs who got ideas just do them yeah. i think i think a lot of people you speak to i think have have great ideas and they start to worry about all the things that could go wrong before testing it do it if yes. it goes wrong yeah. you, you won't you'll you'll regret not doing it more yeah. than you will doing it and yeah. it going wrong yeah. and even if stuff goes wrong you'll learn from it yeah that's that I, I think being an entrepreneur and you know i've got a 12 year old boy now yeah. when i'm trying to push him towards what jobs he's going to do yeah. i'm not pushing him towards being an architect or a doctor yeah. or anything like yeah, that yeah. i want him to own his own business because yeah. it's, it's the most fun thing he could possibly do in yeah. the world really yeah it's the best buzz, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely yeah, yeah. the best buzz. So you've been you've been in this now for twenty years. At peak, how many staff did you have? Um, so and what year was it? So, so um, last year, if you um, if you ignore that, we outsourced some of our IT work. If you ignore that, it's about ninety five to one hundred staff. Is that right? Wow, yeah, based in London, all based in London, and because um, you can imagine, it is it is. If you book a family holiday, you know you go to. T Tom, oh, you don't go to Tom's Cook anymore. Tom's, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yes. You go to Tui or whoever. Or you jump on a British Airway flight. Oh, no, you can't jump on a British Airway flight. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, you can't do any of this anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so you go to Airbnb and get, yeah. and get a place in Cornwall. In Brighton, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but a family holiday is relatively straightforward. Yeah. Okay, maybe you'll you'll do your flights yourself and book a hotel independently on booking.com or whatever. But but a stag do will have nine, ten, eleven different suppliers, different elements. It's a it's a manual process. Mm. We, we we you could go onto our website and you could build your own um, stag and hen party. But most people want to speak to an account manager. Yeah. You have to, we've we've tried before to scale up without scaling up the number of account managers. Yeah. But that's the key, difficult. isn't it? It's difficult. People want what it's it's a bespoke service. People want that yeah. one on one contact. Yeah. So you I'm, do need a lot of people. I'm sure. I'm sure over the years you've developed and tweaked and what have you. What, what, on the technology side of things, how's that work for you? Um, so for the booking systems, etc. Thank God, mm. I don't have to do the uh, the, yeah. the <laughs> because I'm a pencil and paper person. Yeah. In yeah. fact, we used to put a pen uh, like a literally 
because we're talking about uh, 2000, 2001, we would put a file together, a paper file for yeah. each event, and every customer would have their own folder yeah. with like a written down yeah, itinerary yeah, of where they were yeah. going to go, and we would post them a confirmation yeah. and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So that was the real old days. And um, and our he's our commercial director now. He's, he was our finance director at the time. Matt put together an Excel spreadsheet, which put all this stuff together in a... And I hated it. I had one mm. piece of paper and a same, pencil. Same, old <laughs> um, school. So, so he, so that was our first foray into like the back end sort of technology. So not the website, and that's that's grown a lot. That you know, probably probably the the biggest change from a customer's point of view is we we had all that all that sort of process and everything was done by email and PDFs and mm. what have you. And then some years ago, probably 2011, we really developed a members area. So you were arranging a stag do. In, in the past, you would um, have to speak to all your mates. You would tell them all the details about what proposal we'd sent to you. You'd maybe forward them the PDF and stuff like that. And then they would collect the money. You would collect the money mm -hmm. from them and then pay it to us by credit card and what have you. The way we operate now is there's a members area. So we put your, you come to us. We put a proposal for you online. You can share a link to that to all your yeah, mates. Perfect. If you want to book it, you book it. You just send them a link by WhatsApp or whatever. Um, or text message or email it to them. They mm. click on that. They pay for their own place. Yeah. They can okay. So maybe they don't. They can't make the Friday night, so they want to take the Friday night. They don't want to do the meal on the Saturday. So you have an itinerary, Perfect. and every individual guest can pick and choose yeah. every element of that yeah. uh, itinerary and whether they want to take part in it or not. Yeah. And that's that's a big change. That that makes the the groom or the sorry the best man's life. Easier Perfect. by tenfold. Really. Essentially, you streamlined everything, haven't you? Well, it's like herd and cat, isn't yeah. it? You know what it's like to try and get yeah. fifteen mates to decide yeah. together what they're going to do. Yeah, if you, I'm, I'm yeah. guessing your business is the same. You've got rugby captains. I'm guessing yeah. who are trying to get a whole rugby team to yeah. decide on whether they're going to go for the VIP or the VVIP yeah. and what exactly. drinks packages they're going to have exactly. and stuff like that. Exactly. So if if you can take that away and say, okay, you don't have to worry about that anymore, mm. we'll take care of all that for mm. you. That streamlines everything and also all automated messaging every everything can be automated now and in that aspect of it and that's yeah that's yeah that's really helpful both yeah. for us and the customers and it makes things less likely to go wrong you know if everything's automated then you can sort of build the system in such a way that mistakes don't happen well yeah. it's events so yeah, they're always yeah, going to yeah, happen right gonna... but you can minimize them and that, yeah. that makes a big difference well. and what do you love about events what's, what what for you personally what what, what buzz do you get from that yeah, so for me, you know, this is we're an experienced culture, right? Yeah. You know, so when when me and you back in the old days were sort of twenty, you know, keeping up with the Joneses was, you know, whether you were driving a BMW yeah. or a Volkswagen or something like that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Now people, especially with social media, it's not about what you've got; it's what you do. Yeah. And that's the way it should be, yeah. right? You know, okay, all the people who used to buy themselves a BMW, I'm sure they did get a thrill when it sat in the on the driveway with the new car smell yeah. and all that sort of stuff. But that's not the same as looking back now and thinking about the ski holidays you've been yeah. on or the stag, stag days yeah. and all that sort of stuff. That's the stuff that, you know, you're not going to be talking about that BMW when you are 19 in the old, mm. old folks' home, mm. but you are going to talk about all those things you did. Yeah. And that's what events are. It's bringing everybody together and creating memories yeah. and that sounds cheesy i suppose no, it is cheesy mate. but that's, it's but it is that's what it is bringing people together and give them a great experience mm. that they leave there with a massive smile on their face that for me you can't yeah. beat that that's and you get to get into work on the next monday and the, you know they're the water cooler moments yeah. that's what you're up to with the weekend i did this yeah 
you know, that's every office will be a buzz with this yeah. every or they would have been yeah. when people could go into the bloody office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but that's right, that every office will be a buzz on a Monday with what people have been up to that weekend. But that comes back down to what's the best form of marketing? Mm. Word of mouth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, you can't beat that. Nah. So for you, it, it, within Chili Sauce, how much money do you spend on marketing a year? Is there a figure roughly that you spend each year on marketing? Uh, there is. I couldn't tell you what it is off the top of my, off the top of my if head. If you were to have a guess. See, RIT is our marketing in a way. Yeah. So if you think about it, you're, you're a best man. You arrange an event. Yeah. So we've already marketed you, to you. We've got through to you somehow. And a lot of that will be, it'll be either word of mouth or a big chunk of it will be pay-per-click. And our okay. Google bill is okay. horrific. Okay. Absolutely horrific. So give me an example. How much a Google bill for a year? Uh, I wouldn't want to tell you the exact amount. Not not because I wouldn't tell you, but I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. Let's, let's throw some figures. We're talking north of 50 grand? Oh, yeah. Miles north, north of a tonne? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Quarter of a million quid? Yeah, north of that. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Easily. Let's talk more. We hit 500 grand. Yeah, we'd have done 500 grand. Yeah, definitely. A year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My God. That is mind-blowing. That is mind-blowing. <laughs> that is, that's unbelievable. It's good for Alphabet, right? Bear in mind that what we get from Google now yeah. is the same as we used to get for nothing. Right, that's what yeah, that's a scary yeah, thing, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, Google sh should have got Google shares fifteen years yeah, ago. Yeah, right? tell me about it. <laughs> Jeez, and so so you're using Google pay per click. That's your that's your route, really. So of course that your main route that gets you um, somebody who's interested in a stag do. Yeah, but of course once you've once you've sold it to them because of this members area bit, you've sold to to this guy who's a best man. Yeah. But then he invites twelve lads, but every one of them comes to our website, so they interact with the yeah. brand. They give us their email address. They sign up. We can market to them, and of course, just going on the experiences, marketing to mm. them. If you imagine it yourself, you're the best man for an event. You have twelve lads there. How many of them are going to be a best man the next year, yeah, or the year after, yeah. or the year they after? They come back to you, or they're going to speak to somebody in the office on the Monday and say, "Oh yeah, I've just been to Budapest and had this cracking weekend." So, oh, I've got to, I'm a best man. Who did you use for yeah. that? So, enormous amount of it is word yeah. of mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's the competition been like over the last twenty years? Is there more and more popping up? Has there been a? Was there a year you thought, oh, geez, we've got a big competitor here? Is there many competitors in the market? In what you're doing? So there, especially sort of, oh, where are we? I would say within the first three or four years, um, most of our competitors started up at the same time. You know, we we rode rode a little wave, really. You know, probably twenty five years ago. Stag dudes are mostly going to the local pub the night before yeah. the wedding. Yeah. Within 10 years, the whole thing was that you'd go away for a long weekend. Yeah. And, and then after that, it, it was an, a weekend abroad. And whether whether that was because companies like us sprung up or whether it was because there was suddenly a demand for companies like that, mm. it's probably a little bit of both. You know, mm. it, it sort of snowballs, isn't it? People talk about it. Um, um, so we sort of rode the wave. And there was another few companies that came on that same same wave at the same time as us. So for a long time, the bigger companies were the same competitive we'd had for quite a long time. Right. Throughout that, because it is quite a one-on-one -on -one business, yeah. there's quite a lot of people who would set up with a laptop in a bedroom and there'd be sort of one-man bands and yeah. stuff like that. And those would come and go. Yeah. But it was probably the same three or four companies for quite a long time. Who and we all know each other. And, yeah. uh, we'll tra trade fair in London yeah. in November quite often. We'll meet up for a beer and stuff yeah, like that, yeah, and put yeah. put, the, put the competition <laughs> to one side for an evening. Um, but and yeah, so it, a lot a lot of it has been the same companies 
for a long time. And actually, strangely, there's been little disruption within the industry itself yeah. during that time, yeah. I would say. So just break just breaking down, because I'm fascinated by by these sums and figures and stuff. How many locations have you got on your book to say we've got that amount of locations you can choose from? Yeah, it's about 70. 70 locations. Yeah, yeah. And the top the top three for you? So the UK would generally be some mix of Newcastle, Bournemouth, Edinburgh. Wee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I keep quiet down here. Yeah, so about exactly what I do for a living. So I get friends phone up going, no, Dodge, Dodge, we're, we're thinking about coming uh, stag to Bournemouth. I'm like, no, no, choose somewhere else. And I'm there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah if, I, if I'm like, yeah, anywhere, hairdressers or something like that, what do you do? Yeah. I, uh, I arrange <laughs> team building events. <laughs> yeah, know, know your audience. So that's so, so the UK was what? Uh, Bournemouth? B- Bournemouth, Edinburgh, Newcastle. Okay. Uh, Bristol's quite popular okay, and good. of course Liverpool. Manchester and then abroad uh Europe so, yeah so the only places we do outside Europe are uh Vegas and Dubai okay at the moment um and they're quite small really yeah like because you look at Dubai or Las Vegas and you think that's going to be a cracking place for a stag day still a three grander isn't it exactly yeah. <laughs> and, and that's and that's the thing so in any stag group you might get 12 mates yeah but only four of them are going to want to afford going to be able to afford to do that so that you 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 get less of that than you would think mm. um but yeah so eastern europe obviously prague and budapest for the lads marbella and ibiza for the girls that would probably be the biggest Is that right? the biggest ones yeah yeah so the top 3 for the lads would be uh top 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 3 abroad would be prague budapest uh, and probably Benidorm, actually. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. Straight. We've seen a massive set. I think, ben- Benidorm, I think Big Dan, the producer, is going to <laughs> Benidorm for his stag. Oh, it was meant to be, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, was it? Was yeah. it? Oh, was it? <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Hope you got a refund. <laughs> yeah. No, we kept the money in chili sauce. Did you? Oh, postponed. Oh, yeah, yeah, good. That's yeah, yeah, that's, well that's done, what we want to see. That's what we yeah. like to see. Yeah. Support, support uh, the business. Support, support the postponement. Yeah. yeah. That's right, yeah. Um, the year of the postponement. So, So what's the feeling like for you? Obviously, you went through having a great crack first five, six, seven, eight, nine years, then it kind of turned into a proper business. Then you're dealing with politics and gossip and hierarchy and all the crap basically that comes with growing a business to 70, 80, 90 staff, I'd have thought. So that's true. And, you know, I I think in any business that side, you'll have some of that, but at the same time, you still get a buzz going into the office. You're still talking about, you know, I mean, you'll have suppliers or people coming into the office or, consultants or whatever yeah. and they, they walk through this big open plan office where you know there's no dress code yeah. the the music's on loud everybody's got a headset but it's an open plan office it's Lovely. very vibrant brilliant. everybody's talking about partying brilliant non-stop whether they're on the phone to customers or talking to each other it's it's it's, it's a proper it's, party vibe it yeah. it is a party vibe yeah. yeah and that's that's what the staff love about it that's yeah. You know, that's the culture you've created yeah this working stems from, from you this working mates, from home yeah. stuff they're they're sick of it they're, yeah but they, yeah, I bet they, they yeah they can't stand it they want to be back in the office because yeah. it's a crack you know yeah. they, most of our recruitment is done by people who are working for us recommending their friends and yeah. then and then come to us that's yeah. a big a big and do you look for someone when you're looking to employ someone is it is it for me i don't care whether they've got a degree or not or a levels or not i'm looking for that emotional intelligence that person the vibe are they are they passionate do they want to learn and is it the same for you? Yeah, absolutely. When we first were recruiting, actually, we would mostly recruit uh, graduates. And we did. This is back back in the day um, when before Gumtree was like a shopping site. Yeah. You would go on there, especially in London, and you get lots of South Africans and Australian uh, graduates who were yeah. on their gap year. And we'd hire quite a lot from that. Um, and then when they introduced university fees, 
um, we started thinking to ourselves, we said, I'll, I'll bet because of this fees thing, there's going to be a lot of uh, like 18, 19 year olds in London, really bright, plenty of brains to go to university, but they're not going to want to go. They're going to want to go earning. So we started an apprenticeship program then and started well, your own internal apprenticeship program. Yeah. What did that look like? So the first time we did it, we we did a big a, a big uh, surge in one go. We hired like 15, 19 year olds in one batch and put them in their own little team and said, right, okay. So you're gonna like gonna be almost like the young upstart. Yeah. Yeah. And we trained them. We got we got we had a, a girl called Lola who was our best salesperson at the time. We had her take over that team and it was good. There's a lot of energy in that team, yeah, as you can bet. imagine. But you've also got a lot of problems in there, you know, you've got people who've never worked in an office before. Yeah. They're used to being in school and being allowed to sag off and, yeah. and you know, yeah. not do their homework and yeah. suddenly so there's there's discipline issues, yeah. shall we say. <laughs> and what we so then when we we continued that program, but instead we would um, divvy them up between the existing teams. So you'd put them next to somebody a little bit more along in the yeah. tooth and sensible and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. that. But that was great because it was brilliant for the energy. And you're right that you get some really, really sharp people who don't want to go to uni. You know, they want to be earning money straight away. And with us, they could. And um, but, and they are willing to learn. Mm. And um, and yeah, and to be honest. You could do a, a, a B-Tech in customer service or sales or H, uh, HND and stuff yeah. like that. You need to be in the office learning how to do it and sitting next to people mm -hmm. who are doing it and um, and doing a bespoke training program where, okay, you're going to have a 15-minute conversation as an initial call with this customer. These are the questions you ask. These are why you ask those questions. Yeah. These are the answers you're going to get and how you respond to them. Yeah. And it's it's tailored. And that's the way to do apprenticeships, really. Yeah. It's not about sitting in a classroom learning about customer service. You're not going to learn anything in a classroom about Agree. that. You need to be doing the job. Yeah. I want to know some funny stories of what's happened when people have left a stag do and then there's, there's someone been left in Eastern Europe and all the other boys have flown home. And are you the person to have to deal with the, the, sort of the aftermath? Yeah, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. And, and you know what? And and it does sound funny. And when you read about it in the paper, you'll laugh about it. But honestly, that that there's, there's been some of my worst, worst times of, of working of all time when somebody's gone missing in Prague because, you know, wow. you do get, we, touch wood, we've... You know, we we send out, like I say, 140,000, 120, 140,000 people away a year. So you have accidents. Um, <laughs> and we've had uh, a couple of fatalities on events. Is that right? Not, nothing that we've done. It's things like people, you know, being in a car accident. and uh, That's happened a couple of times. And, you know, nothing on any of our activities or anything like that. And you've had, you know, a, a, a father of the groom unfortunately passed away you know from his from his heart and those are horrible mm. moments and people going missing abroad and it doesn't happen that often but you know if you've got 14 lads getting on a plane mm. and one Excited. of them hasn't no i'm, I'm coming home about, I'm coming oh, home Jesus. when you've got 14 and getting on the plane and one lad's still there and nobody knows there, oh. where he is that is for, and you've got maybe his wife on the phone to you and stuff like that they're they're like I can see why everybody sees the funny side. Yeah. It's not the funny side from so our that's side. Probably the lows. That's probably the lows for you. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, the, they're the frightening times. And, you know, when we have had accidents and stuff like that, they're, yeah. they're having conversations with somebody's family when they've had a nasty mm. accident and they're in a hospital in, in Prague or something like that. They're, mm. the, they're the dark times, really. They're mm. the ones you want to avoid. Any, uh, any funny stories? Uh, yeah, loads. We used to, we used to run. I would out. ask you about your funny stories. You told me privately, but I don't think it's the No, I don't think this is the time nor the place. <laughs> not, not when there's a name on it. Um, uh, let's call I'm it, let's, let's think of a name. Let's call it, let's call it John. John, <laughs> John, John was John. in 
Da, da, da. Uh, and John did this. So we used to ask customers, these, this is in the old days on the old way. In fact, we should re, we should start doing it again. We used to get customers to um to send in their best stitch ups of the stag yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. We used to always quite like quite like those. And I think the one that won in our in our first year, we'd sent this group out um in the Solon to Salem. So they'd sort of stayed in Southampton and they went out sailing each day. So I think they did Southampton and Bournemouth actually. Okay. And they were out on yacht on a yacht learn how to race it essentially um and they had the stag dressed up in a like a pirate's outfit with this big black beard <laughs> and uh for the whole weekend he wasn't allowed to take the thing off right and then they were sailing into southampton harbour on the sunday evening um and they, they get the the skipper to stand there to do a photograph for them and then they all they all line up behind the stag and he's at the front and just as he's about to take the photograph they all drop their pants <laughs> and they're all shaved bald <laughs> and that's how they'd made his beard <laughs> <laughs> quality quality yeah so if i've just reminded somebody of that we got married about 20 years ago that no. and it, he's probably he's probably yeah, still still shivering from that. No, that is quality. <laughs> that is quality. How many how many um how many locations have you personally been to and what locations have you been to abroad to go and check out the certain capitals of here and there that you can take business to? Uh so I could you just reel them off so we can so we can get an idea of all oh, the cities. Oh good grief. So okay, abroad. So if I start in Spain, so you've got Marbella or Porto Banus, yep. uh, Magaluf and Palma, obviously. Uh, Valencia, which I love. It's got a cracking Lovely. beach area, yeah. area around there. Of course, we do uh, Madrid and Barcelona. Um, we do Tenerife, and uh, and that's mostly for people who are getting married in the winter. Yep. Of course, you can still get the winter sun, so you yep. still get um, a fair crowd going out there. Um, Croatia is big now Havar is beautiful it's quite expensive but it's lovely yeah. Yeah, so the Croatian islands you can do a lot of sailing around there yeah. that sort of stuff Eastern European you got, uh, Budapest obviously Krakow Vilnius Berno uh, oh god I got too many to remember. Riga uh, yeah, yeah, Riga. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I haven't actually, I haven't actually been to Riga, yeah. but it's just made me smile because I've just thought about our uh, managing directors stagnant out there. Is it? <laughs> I won't go. Over. Come on, I won't go into the detail. Let's pretend there's a name called uh, Dave. <laughs> yeah, it's too late In now. Riga, I've already said it. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so, yeah. So there's too many Eastern European places to, to uh, count. Yeah. Um, but you've been to a shed load, basically. Yeah, yeah, loads yeah. and loads. I mean, now I, I was, I will still go out there sometimes. Now we've got uh, some really cool people in our product team who do most of that, and we'll do more of the trips out to see the suppliers. Mm. But I'll still go out there fairly regularly. I, I'll, I now though will go out and do like a business meeting on the on the Monday or the Tuesday yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to avoid all the to avoid all the damage. Although yeah. our suppliers in Budapest are very hospitable, you go out there yeah. on a Monday, you still you're still going to be struggling yeah, on a Tuesday. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, I, I I do less of that now. Our product, but our product guys will be out yeah. there regularly, like yeah. checking out everything and meeting the suppliers and going through all the details. Mate, it's yeah. some it's some story, man. It's really good story. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Is it is it still four mates still or uh, is one dropped off? Uh, so, dropped so, off? so 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 uh, one's dropped out. He's still he's still a shareholder, yep. but he went off and did some other things. And um and then another mate of ours came back in, and he's now the managing director. I was just talking yeah, about right. he about uh, so that would have been two thousand and eleven something like that. Wow. But yeah, but, but three of us are still the same guys who were yeah. there from those those first well, few what weeks. What hugely successful events business you got? 
and the way it's grown over the years. Yeah, yeah, it's been it's been it's been fun. It's been fun, isn't it? Wow. Well, just before we wrap all this up, I've got a question to ask you. Have you got a question to ask me? Yeah, I I, I thought I, I suppose I would send it back to you. Really, mm. what at what point did the festival? Because I knew I knew you did a lot of events before the festival, but mm. I, at the start was the festival for fun because you wanted the crack, or did you think I'll tell you what? There's some money to be made here. Bit of both. I think it was a time that I was putting on thousands of events over the 10 years. And then it was the right, it was the right time for me to say, I want to get into the festival world. Mm-hmm. It felt right. Um, and it was all, all chips in. Um, but it was, was it all chips in right at the start. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I thought it was going to cost a hundred grand to put on the first Bournemouth sevens six months before I run out of money. Oh no. yeah. As the world crisis hit. <laughs> Well, financial crisis in 2008. Had you, had you sold many tickets at that stage? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I was, so I was wondering, yeah, yeah so do, do, do you incur a lot of expenses before you've sold a ticket? Well, back then, when no one, tra- no one, no, you had no trade record. It wasn't like, you know, the marquees companies saying, oh, we want 50 grand. I said, okay, we'll pay you off. To-. Actually, we've committed to everything, trackway, toilets, marquees, showers, f- fencing, DJs, lighting, Wi-Fi. It goes on and on and on. And all of a sudden, you, the bills start coming in. You're thinking, "Shit, my God, we got to start paying this now." And you're picking them up, picking up the phone, and saying, "Can we pay after?" No, because if it goes, if the first festival goes tits up, <laughs> everyone's <laughs> going to be losing out. You know that was there, which I totally got. So, yeah, I was a hundred grand in in January, and the the, the festival was in the May. Mm. There was no one to turn to. The banks weren't loaning. Obviously, financial crisis, and the only option we had was to remortgage the house. Mm. So that wasn't didn't go down too well mm. with the missus. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was. I had, and I think going back to your point there, I think it took a good four or five years to break the back of it. Mm. Actually, to fully break the back of it, because when you're putting on a festival, you're then constantly looking at um, how to improve it for next year, how to tweak it. You've got to invest more money. You've got to take the money that you. Uh, took from the year of putting it on and then you got to reinvest it back in and reinvest it back in and and then all of a sudden you're building this wow factor but you've got to remember back then it was uh social media when i was promoting at the start there was no social media so it was literally fly posting and flying everywhere mm. you know so it was yeah. old school and then uh when did you think ah, oh, yeah okay it's gonna be all right i'm gonna get me money back uh year one well i didn't know that because mm. when people turn up and they it was it people didn't buy online back then remember mm. To 2008. Also, oh, they were queuing, so they're like at the, at the stores. <laughs> oh, You're open God. enough, go through the turnstile. Oh style. man, it was it was a lot of pressure because mm. not normally the, the team entries would come in, but back then they would send a check into my house. Mm. You know, and, and a check would mm. arrive through the post box, and it'd be like 120 pounds. Oh, amazing for a team of 12 people. Mm. I thought it was unbelievable, and all of a sudden, 10 checks and 15 checks and 25 checks, and I was like, oh my God, something's happening here. But the actual, the second part of it is is the festival goes. Mm. They couldn't buy online. There was no such thing as buy online. Everyone was scared back then. So you're waiting for them to turn up on the day. And that was nerve-wracking. Yeah, I'll bet. Really nerve-wracking. Um, but then you don't know what the secondary spend is. So when they come in, the secondary spend is they're going to spend on the And bar. I'm missing the first year. You have, it, got it's a real finger in the air job to go, how, how much does somebody spend on beer if they're there for the day? Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. There was no such thing as a sport music festival mm. back then, remember? So I, there was no one for me to replicate. There's no one for me to see and say, I've spoken to them. This is the business model. There wasn't the business model. At that stage, were most people from Bournemouth? Um, the teams were from around the UK. Oh, really? Yeah. Right, okay. Even at the start? It was- at the start. And the teams would bring friends. Mm. But the core party people were from Bournemouth. Mm. But you got to remember, if you weren't, if you, if you saw back then in 2008, if you heard the word rugby and you weren't a rugby person, 
you think, oh, it's just a rugby thing. It's not for me. Mm. But actually, what I was creating was a sport and music festival mm. with rugby and netball in the day. And then we increased the sports, the hockey and, and volleyball and dodgeball and what have you. Mm. But actually, it was about the party as yeah, well. the music. At the the music, the because you had to have that second influx crowd coming in at three in the afternoon and there till one in the morning partying mm. all in fancy dress and having a good crack with like-minded people, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, and still, is that mostly uh, Bournemouth people who will come in? Or is it no, a lot more oh, from away? Oh, well, well, yeah. now, now teams are flying in around the world. And so you think of the, the big rugby playing countries, your Australia's, your Dubai, your Hong Kong's, your France's, they're coming and flying in. And then teams more, 400 teams from around the UK. But actually the, the core audience, you've got this wonderful core audience of a, of a mile, of an hour radius around us. And then obviously by our ticket sales, we can see the postcodes everywhere. There's a hell of a lot from Southwest London. There's a hell of a lot from Cardiff and around Wales and the Midlands. So people are traveling all, all different angles from Brighton, all coming in for that party weekend. Mm. Even if you don't play sport, you're mm. there because it reminds me of... And you've heard what it's like from and the people. Heard, exactly. Yeah. And word of mouth goes yeah. back. Going, yeah. Or you remember what you did last year. Or, yeah, exactly. or vaguely Stories. remember what you did last year. And it comes year. back to experiences. It comes yeah. back to, did you have a cracking experience? Mm. Did you leave with a good taste in your mouth? Did you get great value for money? Tick, tick, mm. tick, tick, tick. People want more. Mm. They've got to wait another year. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah. So... Follow-up question to that, that first year. Yeah. Did, I'm guessing you have watched it. Did it give you shivers when you watched the Fire Festival documentary? Oh, my God, that Fire <laughs> Festival. I watched it four times. Yeah. I could not believe that. I can't remember his name now. Uh, so it, the audacity for him to follow through knowing that he's, 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 not, delivered he's not delivering anything that he said he was going to deliver. Mm villas and private chefs and and this and that and da, da 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 it was like do you think he knew that when he went into it or do you reckon it just all spiraled out of control and he couldn't contain it he anymore? got caught up in he got caught up in everything he got caught up in the the high life he got mm. caught up dealing working with rap artists he got caught up with just this whole fantasy world of you can see how we get he's going to be a face and he's probably partying till four or five in the morning and he's got caught up in all of that mm. but he's taken the problem what he's done he's taken all the money in but not produced the goods at the mm. end which for me, I was, in, I was, in, I was, in, I was cringing the whole way through, mm. and and he left devastation on that island to, mm. to the locals, and that's what really hurt me and bugged mm. me. And and you know what? I'm glad. Yeah, I think he got six years in the end. Yeah, yeah, he did do. And yeah. and so he should have. Yeah. And so he should have. But he didn't. He didn't. He, there was there was a story. That he didn't even show any remorse mm. for the people that he didn't pay. And you know that's hard. That island was was open arms mm. to come onto the island, and that island's a very small community of people. Everyone knows, and there was. There was ladies there who were supplying all the food on the promise that he yeah, was going to pay them. She was one of the most memorable people in memorable it. Memorable people. She, yeah, she, yeah. I think she was 50 grand. She mm. said her life savings are gone mm. and she was crying her eyes out with the doc documentary was made. Yeah. But luckily, someone created up a, a crowdfunding and she got a 50 grand. Is that right? I yes. didn't know about that. Yes. Oh, that is that is nice. To that is a lovely touch. Yeah. Lovely touch. But um, Kenny, we'll finish on that. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate, having you on the show. Thank you for having me. You've got a cracking story and you're a good guy and you've got a good team and I, I thoroughly enjoyed you coming in today. Cheers, mate. You're a gentleman. Good man, Ken.